At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Hey, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are today. So Doug Crow with the Author Your Brand Show. I've got not one author, but two on today. And it's very important because the topic relates to couples, of course. So um, our guests include a guy who is the uh, co-author of more than 30 books, including four New York Times bestsellers, five national bestsellers. His classic 2008 parable, The Go-Giver, so co-authored by our friend Bob Berg earned the uh, 2017 Living Now Book Awards Evergreen Medal for its contribution to positive global change. Wow, that sounds like a very important award. The co-author earned her degree in clinical psychology before going on to serve as an educator, therapist, corporate trainer, speaker, and coach. She currently serves um, and coaches Go-Giver Marriage clients and leads a Go-Giver Marriage Coaches Training Program with training coaches from around the globe. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce the Finest couple of the year, the go-giver couple, John David Mann and Anna Gabriel Mann. How are you guys doing today? We're great. great. We're great, Doug. <laughs> a dumb question, right? What do you imagine if someone said, how are you doing today? Oh, lousy. Well, let's do the <laughs> podcast, shall we? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, power couple is kind of an understatement, of course, right? We've got the 30 books, this, this brilliant woman here who I had a chance to talk to about the uh, – parenting thing coming up next, but we'll get, we're going to hand ourselves. Um, John and uh, Anna, you've uh, been married for a while. You both have had stellar careers. Um, I've read most of the books, John, um, amazing stuff. Of course, the fiction book, I just finished up, Steel Fear, Edge of My Seat. Sequel coming in two months, three months. Yes. Nice. Where's the movie option? How's that? How's it looking? Coming along. It's in development, as they say right, in Hollywood. Because right, right. I want to, I want a bit part. I want to be, you know, I'm a ship. I know. Or, you know, you can kill me off or something. Of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're talking about the book here, The Go-Giver Marriage. Now, go ahead and hold it up. Here it comes. Now, hold the whole stack of the previous one. People need to know who don't know this concept that obviously for, we heard that. The, for context. For context, that's right. The man, let me show, show me your fingers. How like, uh, right. You type hold on, you, 30 books, man. That's amazing. <laughs> so, Go-Giver Marriage. Um Y'all know the term go-giver, no, go-getter, and somebody coined the phrase go-giver a while ago when you and Bob first came out with the go-giver. Where did that Where did that idea come from? Uh, it, it came from this automatic, this place in your brain where truths show up as counterintuitive statements that make you first go, wait, what? Yeah. Um, Bob and I both have a fondness for counterintuitive logic, for things that make you go, as I said, wait, what? Um, because the truth is often found in paradox. And the, you know, the core truth at the heart of the go-giver is this idea of living with generosity, that when you put other people's interests first, you end up benefiting as well as them. Right. Um, it, it's, the, 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 it's expressed as, as cleanly and simply as I could do it in this paradoxical summary we call the Pindar principle, which is the more you give, the more you have. Right. Kind of flies in the face of our instinct which is, you know, as, as infants, gimme, it's mine, my toy. Mm -hmm. Don't take my toy. It's my toy. Right. If, if I get, if I give you my toy, then I won't have that toy. <laughs> it, it sounds, it sounds, um, 
almost so simple that people gloss over it, right? It's like, of course you got to give to get. You can't make a withdrawal from the bank without putting deposit in there. I, I kind of get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that your message goes way deeper than that yeah. in terms of you don't always expect a return. Am I right? You can't, you, you can't okay. expect a return. You know, in a marriage, you know, people want to think a marriage can be 50-50, but a 50-50 marriage is really a recipe for failure. You know, it, it just it just doesn't work. No marriage is a 50-50. And there's going to be times when, you know, it's blissful and amazing, and there's going to be times where there's real work to do. And, yeah. and so the message is deeper in that, you know, neurologically we're really geared for happiness and there's just so much research and evidence that says that people who are giving and constantly giving live mm -hmm. longer every cell in their body is affected their heart is healthier they sleep better they have general better health and you know their their lives are happier they have less depression all of these things so why wouldn't you want to give to the very person that you're marrying and that you are married to. And, and here's here's an, here's here's an image, Doug. Sorry, I was going to say here's an image that can I think that can help kind of ground that for people too. Yeah. You you mentioned making a deposit in a bank. So yeah. here's the image I like to use that um, you're not giving as in giving up, giving away, as in sacrificing, uh, as in emptying yourself out. It's like this: there's you, and then there's this other person. There's the yeah. two of you. But then when you come together, there's this third entity, your overlap, right. which Anna calls the us. And what you're doing when you act with generosity toward your spouse, when you when you give more than 50%, right? When you just are come from a spirit of generosity, what you're doing is you're feeding the us. You're actually making a deposit into sometimes we call it the love bank. When you feed the us, the us is like a tree that nourishes us. And so when you feed the us, we both end up benefiting. We both stand to do well from that because it marriage is something that feeds us both in turn. It ain't a question of giving up so I don't have less. It's a question of feeding so now we, we both get more. That it makes so much sense because you hear these words like, you know, compromise or I'm going to give in or all the, you know, all the emasculations that I see in the Western American males that I can't stand. You know, <laughs> Where's the, where's the, where's the stoicism? Um, so you guys um, wrote this book, your, their parables. Did you pull the parables from real life experience? The, the parables, so the book is in, I should tell people the book is in two parts. Uh, like any go-giver book, there's a parable. Mm -hmm. We call the first half of the book, the parable. And the second half of the book is called the practice. Mm -hmm. And I largely wrote the first half or I'm, you know, the kind of the author of the first half. That's kind of my, my bailiwick. Anna wrote the second half of the book, and we, we both were in each other's uh, uh, drafts the whole time. It was a cooperative venture, but the parable is kind of my deal, and the, and the, the practice is, is kind of her deal. Right. Um, and in all the parables, any of the parables, they're always drawn from real life. They're always pulled from people. We know we recently had the very, very sad passing of Bob Proctor yeah. this week. Proctor was the model for Pindar in in the go-giver you know that's where right. pindar came from even down to the description of his wavy gray hair and and the whole deal his, his gravelly storyteller's voice so yeah in the in the parable in the go-giver there's there's lots of our experience um mm -hmm. people who know anna when they read about tom and tess they'll go oh yeah 
they'll recognize a lot of things from our lives. Right. In your experience, um, Anna, working with, with couples, or you always work with a couple, or you work individually with people? I work individually with people. Uh, okay. We also do workshops with like 10 to 35 people in them that are wow. Zoom events. And in those, we teach the five secrets and we go into a real deep dive on what they are and what they mean. And then the second half of the training is actually question and answer from people in the in the training. Did and that's how it's five secrets. Yes, you... the five five secrets to lasting love. Can you that's... give three, can you give us three of those secrets so they don't so I have to buy the book later? Can you give us the top three? We'll talk <laughs> we'll talk about we'll talk about one each for sure. Um, but each secret is so demands so much explanation in the sense of even though they're very secret, I mean very easy to understand and easy to implement. Uh, they they are based on developmental theory. So each secret has a basis in something that you needed as a child that you still need now. And mm. so that's the that's the part that we really like to not just name them off because it's the same with the go giver. If you just name them off, people go, oh yeah, because they each each the name for each one just doesn't give the background or the meaning. But yeah. I mean, can I, I speak? Can I speak to something? Sure. I just want to speak to, to you know. You said, Doug, do you do it with couples? You you work with individuals. One of the hallmarks of the whole approach in the book is that you don't have to do the work as a couple necessarily yeah. for the work to work for the couple. That yeah. that and honestly, practically speaking, in many situations, and this you know, Anna has has done this work for years. That in many situations, you have in a couple one is ahead and one is behind in the sense that one one wants to work actively to, to improve the marriage to change things uh -huh. and the other one is not so sure the other one is dragging their heels or the other one doesn't even think there's a problem that's so common right yeah, so right. Uh, it, it, in fact it's one of the it's one of the great handicaps of, of of marriage therapy is that well you know one of them's not into it so the whole thing falls apart it doesn't have to all fall apart mm -hmm. with, with with our work with the five secrets one person can start putting these secrets into practice. Mm -hmm. And it can shift the dynamic in such a way that the whole family comes along. And in time, we frequently see that the other person will start to say, hey, you know, I wanna know more about that too. But it doesn't have to be that way at first. So it yeah. can be work okay. with a single individual. Nice, all right, yeah, it sounds like, yeah, you can't change other people, you can only change yourself, that's sometimes- Correct. The others around you, I get it. Exactly, exactly. Um, so so give me a, you know, if you wanna go deep, please do on, the, on one of the secrets. Alrighty, um, you know my one of my favorite secrets is the very first secret, and it's a secret that's really easy to put into place. And people think it's so simple that they think, well, of course my wife or my husband knows that I appreciate them, um, but it's the secret to appreciate. And yet we find all the time that people, when we ask them, "What is it that you love about your spouse?" they'll go. You know, they just get this blank look on their face. And uh, one of the characters in our book, you know, she can't think of anything. And suddenly she blurts out, you know, well, he makes a wicked lasagna. <laughs> it counts. It counts. That's, that's the best she can do in that moment because she's not accustomed to, she's accustomed to the criticism factor. She's accustomed to finding ways to find fault with him, okay. but she's not accustomed to the place of, looking for ways to appreciate him. I mean, he could be just the guy that brings her cup of tea in the morning at, on her bedside table, which mm -hmm. John does every day. And yet it's like, if you don't acknowledge that, if you don't say, hey, 
I love it that you bring me tea every morning. And thank you. This is so nice. I've never had anyone spoil me like this. Thank you. You know, that's a real moment because then they actively feel like, wow, you know, I've been appreciated. This is sweet. Feels nice. When you're a kid, if you don't have parents or grandparents or somebody who's telling you, you know, oh, what a big boy are you? Or, you know, look at you, you can read that book all by yourself. Wow. You know, you need that that sense of feedback. And when we talk about appreciate, it isn't a passing compliment. It isn't like, hey, babe, you're looking good today. You know, that's not a moment of appreciation. A moment of appreciation is taking the time to stop them in their tracks and actually speak authentically to what it is that you love about them. Right. And is it always an audible? I mean, is there other way people communicate visually and audibly and tactfully? I mean, you know, people do it through text as well. I mean, I constantly send John texts, letting him know things that I appreciate. I, you know, we ask people that we that we work with to, yeah. to start out with three times a day because uh-huh. three times a day is pretty easy. Doable. Yeah. Uh-huh. But honest to goodness, I would say John and I, in our relationship, we, we probably appreciate each other six or seven times a day. Uh-huh. And or 10 changes, or 12. Yeah. It, it just changes the tone. I mean, it, it, it and it also... Again, neurologically, it takes you out of the groove of thinking negatively and thinking about the things that irritate you and and make you feel crabby. And it puts you on the track of, oh, what is it that I love about this guy and or gal? And, you know, it can be simple things like, you know, I never tell you that how much I appreciate you taking out the trash. Mm -hmm. But I want you to know the fact that I never need to think about it really matters to me. (laughs) And I just want you to know, I, I just I just love you, babe. Thank you. That is so funny. You're right about the thing about the, um, you can't hold two thoughts at the same time. Right. By, by spending that one second or 10 seconds in that state, you have to, number one, think about it. So there's another 10, 20, 30 seconds. And then there's the residual aspect. So, yeah, I can see how that would make a big difference in the energy of the day, right? And, and a huge thing is that, that, you know, we all know this already. We all do this already, at least Typically, we do it when we're first in love. You know, you do it when you're in that romantic, romantic, you know, fervor, right? Where everything is glowing because you just met the love of your life, you know, or you just met somebody that you really, really have strong feelings for. Mm-hmm. So you do that when you're in courtship, when you're in romance, because that's the focus of your life. Right. And and then over time, other things take over the focus of your life. You've got professional issues going on. Maybe you have kids. You have issues. You have finances. You have stuff going on that demands your attention. And so all the thing about the stuff we appreciate about each other is still there, but it, it moves to backstage. It moves it, it moves to the back of our minds. We start to take it for granted. And we sort of have this unspoken assumption in our mind. She already knows I love her. He already knows I think these great things about her. And so it isn't necessary to, to say it again. It's like love is never having to say you're sorry. Yeah, BS. Because love is learning how to say you're sorry, learning how to say how much you appreciate her, learning how to say the things that need to be said because they need to be said for the rest of your life. That need that Anna talks about that the child has to be praised praised and cooed over, it never goes away. We're all still little kids on the inside. Sure, absolutely. So the big question then is not for the newlyweds. That's easy. Oh, I love you. Of course you do. Right. It's the person that's overstressed or going through bankruptcy or they have, you know, twins, all these things come up. 
I don't have time for that. I got, I've got immediate things to take care of. I'll get to you later. I'm just saying this might've happened to somebody sometime. Um, you have tools, tips, techniques, and how to keep that. My, one of my authors calls it limerence. So the, you know, the energy of the dating, continue dating as you're, as you're married. How do you do that? I'll just say this, that, you know, one of it is, is the whole thing of if you're going to if you're going to find new things every day to tell your, your partner that you love about them. And it isn't like an iron rule that they have to all be new all the time. You can yeah. repeat stuff because it keeps being true. Yeah. You know, I think Anna is the most thoughtful person I've ever met. Well, I'm going to think that tomorrow also. And so I may say it again and again and again, but <laughs> you want to be looking for new things all the new time. Yeah. Well, you know what? In order yeah. to look for new things, you need to investigate. You need to actually actively learn about your partner. And we say there's a line in the book that says every individual is an undiscovered continent. And that's true. Every person is this rich background, this treasure trove of mm -hmm. stuff you don't know about them. You think you know them? You think you know everything about them? Ha 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 Tip of the iceberg. There's so much to learn. And so being in a relationship, a lifelong relationship, is being in a lifelong process of investigation and discovery. And that's, you know, that's what you're doing when you're courting, when you're first in that romance. Sure. Well, you can keep doing it when you're 90. There's so much to learn. You'll never run out of stuff to learn and find out and discover that you love about this other person if you take the trouble to go looking. So what was the most, what's the most recent thing you've learned about Anna, John? I was just going to say, well, first I want to let her say what she was going to say. I was just going to add on to that, but I, I go ahead, John. Oh. <laughs> um, I just I just learned. Well, I'll tell you something recently I learned because we've never done this before. I've written, as you know, over, published over 30 books. Right. Anna's re read all of them. She's been my first reader. We've done a lot of business together. Mm -hmm. She's been a great critic of my books. She's been a great reader and appreciator of my books. We're enormously helpful to each other in so many ways. But we've never written a book together before. Mm -hmm. We've never done podcasts together before. <laughs> and something that I just learned about Anna in the last couple of weeks is I love doing podcasts with her. And I wasn't sure, Doug. I didn't know that because I thought it's going to be weird doing it with two people because we're going to step on each other's toes and it's going to be, you know, I, I, this is, a, I'm having the time of my life. I am having a ball. She's a phenomenal interview partner. So, who knew? Anna, you had a thought about that. You're, I, stepped, I, I interrupted the, the flow here. So go ahead. We're going to say you can add on to the statement. Oh, well, just. I actually don't remember where I was going with it, but okay. you know, I love honestly, that about you. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I feel like the thing that I would focus on if I were really going to try to make a marriage be as whole as possible. Mm -hmm. And this is going to sound, you know, terribly self-promotional, but you know, the five secrets, each secret is a gem because each secret is based on developmental theory, what you needed when you were little, you still need now. And also each secret has woven into it the opportunity to overcome trauma and difficult things from your childhood. Yeah, because wow. all of us have that, all of us have baggage. And I like to say that it magically unpacks as soon as the honeymoon's over. Um, yeah. And that's really when all the issues start to rise. You know, if you had a father who was dismissive and and sort of angry all the time, then you're going to be one of two things. You're going to have either married someone who's dismissive and angry all the time, or you're going to be dismissive and angry. So you either take it on or you attract it. And that isn't a bad thing because it's your it's your 
brains and your person trying to heal itself. Mm -hmm. you know, you're, we're attracting what we need to heal our wounds. And so if you can be compassionate, not only to yourself, but to your partner as well, then you leave open the door for great healing to occur. I mean, marriage is a great opportunity to heal, heal That's if you amazing. leave the door open. That's, I, there's so much, I, I have like 18 rabbit holes in that one. Let me collect my thoughts. Is, I've, I've talked to plenty of people like you there who have um, broken a cycle of their parents, grandparents, you know, blah, blah, and some who have not broken the cycle, right? They mm -hmm. tend to like, this is the way I was raised. This is, you know, I'm going to spank you, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, what is it differentiated when someone breaks a cycle or doesn't break it? Oh, what a great question, Doug. I think that when we're children, when a parent does something that's really offensive and really wrong, there's a voice in us that knows that it was really wrong. Um, mm -hmm. And that is something that, you know, as you grow, you really know you don't want to repeat it. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not something Some repeatable. Some people do. They can't help it. They Some people are... I think that people have their own desire to keep their blinders on and be unconscious. But if you're going to be married or a parent, self-awareness and emotional intelligence are the two most critical factors. And self-awareness being number one, honestly. Emotional yeah. intelligence really serves you in those moments where your spouse is really irritable and you are getting triggered. And if yeah. you can stay emotionally intelligent, then you can look at it and remain an individual. And you can look at her or him and say, wow, you're having a bad day. Do you want to talk about it? You know, it isn't about you. It's about them. But people, people don't do that. Go ahead, John. You have something to add. I just want to add to that. I think, Doug, another, another for me, I mean, I am not a, a psychologist uh, or a therapist. I just play one on TV. Anna is a real one. But I'm a commentator. Um, I, I think that another ingredient in this issue of how do you become somebody who breaks that cycle, mm -hmm. when you have someone in your life who unconditionally believes in you and lets you know it, yeah. and lets you know it, it enough and repeatedly enough and clearly enough so that you start to actually get it and believe that they're, that they're not, not just pulling your chain, mm -hmm. I think that liberates you. It liberates you to step into new patterns, step out of old patterns, take things on. That could be a spouse, and we talk about that in, in the book. It could also be, you know, a, a coach, a thesis advisor, a, you know, a teacher, a teammate. If you have somebody in your life who just really does that for you, I think that sometimes is the gives you the fuel that you need to step out of your past and into your future. I think that should be taught, like, to everybody. It's so big. I see it in schools and the work i do with rotary and the youth thing where kids are just you know told something and i, yes. I can tell that like they've been told this stuff and it's not true and they believe it yes I'm like oh my god how many is one person to say i believe in you go be a flute player you can do it you know it's right. just man yeah we have a friend who's a president of a college and we have been talking to him about teaching not only the go-giver but the go-giver marriage at mm -hmm. that college because yeah. we feel like you know kids get out of college at 22 and a lot of them have already got a steady girlfriend that they're pretty yeah. intently want to get married to and a lot mm -hmm. of them are married by 23 to 26 
to that to that same person they met in college. Right. Well, you're so young at that point, you kind of don't know who you are. And certainly she doesn't completely mm. know who she is either. Right. Um, I mean, you can be very intelligent, and very together in your life and still not emotionally um, have that ability to transcend the issues that come up in a marriage. And right. so yeah, what you read, what you experience, you know, and I, I keep going back to the brain science that I, you correct me if I'm wrong, because you're more up to speed in this, but like, isn't the brain still developing up until about age 26? Yes, it is. It's still you developing. Know? It doesn't actually harden, as they say, mm -hmm. until 26. And that's when you see kids take a leap in terms of their maturity. Mm -hmm. They suddenly, yeah. between 26 and 30, it's like a different kid emerges. They suddenly are starting to think on their feet and they're they're really starting to examine what has happened and, and what role they played in it and whether or not they want to repeat this. Um, they're taking more responsibility for their life. So you see a shift. But at the same time, I really believe these five secrets. I mean, I would like to teach them all over the world. And the reason is that these five secrets are so powerful and they do address the issues of pain mm -hmm. and so-called for better or for worse. One of the secrets is totally devoted to the issue of for better or for worse in richness or in, in, in you know, in, in sickness or in health, right. you know, for richer, for poorer. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the poor, the sickness, and, you know, the, worse. Lack, the lack of the worse. The worse. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's, it's so, it's so difficult to navigate a marriage, but you have to, you have to feel like there's no back door and that you're committed and you uh -huh. have to be willing to sit down and discuss things that are hard and to be really compassionate and to not get into shouting matches. You have to avoid name calling. You know, there can't be any criticism or contempt that's a regular item or else, you know, you're just barking for trouble. Right. Is there, um, this is the, this is like the celebrity personal question. Now. I'm going to put my Oprah hat on. So I listened to you guys speak. You're eloquent, professional. You say the right things. Now, did you ever snap at each other for a second before you said, "No, you're having a bad day"? Did you ever like, "Oh, I shouldn't have said that"? Oh, we beat each other regularly, right, honey? Yeah, I mean, has, there, constantly. has there has there ever been a marriage Doug, <laughs> that hasn't snapped at each other? I mean, hello. Hey, so let me tell you something about that, Doug. Uh, there, there will be times, and this has been like a revelation for me. Uh, and there have been so many with Anna, but, but, but there will be times where I am in a gnarly mood or a snarly mood yeah. for whatever reason, you know, uh, mm -hmm. something hurts. I didn't sleep well, but, but more, more frequently for me, it's because I'm dealing with something frustrating in my career, in my yeah, professional right. situation. Um, and so I'll be snappy and I, I, part of me is watching me be snappy. And part of me is watching Anna and marveling that she doesn't react, doesn't respond, just kind of is there. And I can almost, like get behind her and see from her eyes, see her just taking it in and taking it in and he's being snappy and like not doing anything about that. Um, I think the the ability to not personalize yeah. and not uh, uh, react to wherever the other person's at, which I think Anna might call individuation, you know, the, the ability to, to, to remember to stay in the place of She's, her, she's a person, I'm a person. If she's angry, it's her anger. If she's snippy, it's her snippiness. It's not mine, I didn't create it, I didn't generate it, I'm not responsible for it. But I am here for her. She has right. done that for, I, I'm, I'm generally a pretty sunny personality, but I have my moments when I get cranky. And she is like, 
it's almost like funny to her. She just like waits and she's calm. And then later in the day, invariably she says that was that was you were so cute when you were snapping today and i'll laugh with her and they're like that's the end wow. of that and it could have become a fight it could have become yeah, a could. thing she could and have reacted also, and then i could have reacted to her reaction and then blah 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 and also and also the other thing i try to do in those moments is to wait until he's kind of stormed out of the kitchen and gone back <laughs> to his desk and maybe he's gotten some work done when he comes back out later on to say um, I know you're working on that proposal. Is it super frustrating? Um, or is there is there something that I can do to make your day better? I don't ask him immediately in that moment, what's wrong? I ask him if there's something I can do to make your day better. Because I can see that you're having a, I can see that you're having a hard time. <laughs> Let me take notes now. Come on, yeah. This is really good stuff. Yeah. I can see that you're having a hard time. Is there anything I can do to make your day better? And he will, in, he will like melt like a puddle right in front of me. And he'll Who be wouldn't? like, oh. And then, and then he'll immediately say things like, oh, you know, this happened and then that happened. And the situation over here has been really sort of plaguing me, but I don't want to think about it, but I have to think about it. You know, and he'll go into his little list of things that are just sort of cramming his brain at the same time that he's got a novel due. You know, Which immediately like, makes me feel better, just being able to share that with her yeah. without worrying about how she's going to take it. Cause I, cause she's just going to be fine. She's going to hear it all. Oh my gosh. Anna, I need like, I need the Anna app or the little angel on my shoulder. <laughs> phrases that, that is, that is gold. That, that, I mean, we should teach that to Russia and the Ukraine. Let's, <laughs> what's really bothering you? I want to teach it to everybody. Yeah, I want to teach it to everybody, Doug. And you know, if yeah. you do the cold, if you do the Colby assessment, I'm high on innovation and also on facts. And I really, really love teaching the the basics because emotions are so profound, and we feel them at such deep levels. And depending on what happened to us when we were younger, we feel them at even more intense levels. And yeah. you know, it's to be understood. And yet there are ways that we could all deal that would just make it so much easier. The reason we wrote this book and the reason that the, when the original Go-Giver came off the printer and I read it and I, I said to John, wow, this is an amazing book. Oh, my goodness. And then the next words out of my mouth were, and this would be an incredible book about marriage. And we have been talking about the secrets to lasting love. And we have been talking about this book for 16 years. And we finally wrote it. And, and we wrote it because it was like the pandemic happened. And I was like, you know, marriages are going down in flames right now. People need this and we could teach it. Wow. And they can. They could, Where do they go to get this book? We got a page up, pre-sale page, I think. Gogivermarriage.com. Gogivermarriage.com. Uh, wow. We've got, we got I, should, I should mention that we have a, you know, because the book doesn't come out until March 8th. We do have a pre-order special offer. So if you buy the book um, and, and come to the come to the website and it'll show you where to plug in your order number or your receipt or whatever, right. then we've got a couple of a couple of gifts we put together just for those people. And two of them are, are little master classes that we recorded from our living room couch nice. um, on the the mindset of lasting love and love dealing with conflict. Yeah. And then there, one of them is a is a live fireside chat we'll do with Q and A. Uh, a week after the book comes out. Outstanding. We'll hold up with, up with Dan. Mm -hmm. With Dan Rockwell. Dan Rockwell. Dan Rockwell will be our host. Okay, great. Yeah. Go, it is is on a website. Is it go dash giver or is it go giver marriage dot com? Nope. All, all one all one word. Go giver marriage dot com. No and also, dash. Go ahead. 
No also, dash. just for your listeners to know, we have workshops Dashes. happening every single month. And there are Zoom events with 10 to 35 people in them. There's lots of opportunity to ask questions and interact with us directly. The training is very deep dive on the five secrets right. to lasting love. And people can sign up on the website and we'll just let you know when there's a space in the next available workshop. Nice. And then it's just a done deal. And they're very Lord. inexpensive because we want them to be accessible to people. Right. So I, I last question in terms of uh, efficacy here is there's different stages of relationships, right? There's, you know, courtship, marriage, the, you know, kid phase, and then empty nesters. Is there a, a uh, obviously there's a vulnerable times along all of those, yes. but does the go-giver process work no matter where you are? I'm gonna say no matter where you are, and also really to an, to an exceptional extent, these five secrets and this whole the principles of the book mm -hmm. really kind of apply can be applied to any relationship i mean it, to, to work relationship the workplace mm -hmm. with colleagues with with partners with you know siblings and parents um because they're really just about human beings um but yeah. in particular about marriages you know i think they're it's great for young couples who are about to get married or have just recently gotten married i think it's great for podcast hosts who are are, are affianced in the very near future, and uh, if you know any, and I, I do think yeah. it's also really great for people who've been married for decades. Yeah, because for sure. it isn't just a question of preventing divorce; it's also a question of enriching the marriage, so that yeah. as you go from decade and year after year, it becomes more and more fulfilling, not you know, kind of coasting. Yeah, I love it, man. I can't wait to get my copy. I ordered, I ordered two, so I can't wait to read it and uh, come to a fireside chat, hang out. Thank you very much, guys. Get this book. Go to the Go Giver. Hold it one more time, John. Hold that book up. GoGiverMarriage.com. Get the book. Have a nice uh, fireside chat with the mans. Love you guys so much. Really appreciate your time today. Love you, Doug. Thank you. All right. Thank you Thanks, very man. much. All right. And that concludes our show today. Don't forget to click below for show notes. The link to that book is there. And uh, some goodies for you if you subscribe. This is Doug Crow with Author Your Brand.